Three shots, four part, I just do two. One putt, part four, birdie. Ooh, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you fin do? Think I'll try to get on into start right, good line, good view. Andrew, shoot him at Gavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed at you. Pew pew. With that five and might use the trap, man. I got a chip, man. Last angle ball speed, rate of that bash, man. And where that ball land, watch that's on my hand. Is yours not the time, man? Yeah, that's my garment. All right, welcome to On the Screws podcast. Uh, this week, we've got a, a special guest, um, Spencer Dungey, an athletic therapist, uh, pretty extensive background. Um, so I'll, I'll hop right into it. How are you doing, Spencer? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, we, we were just kind of chatting off uh, uh, off uh, mic here about um, kind of some of your experience and and uh, what got you into athletic therapy in general. So maybe you can give uh, anybody listening just an idea of that. For sure. Um, like many young kids these days, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. Um, slowly and surely, I started realizing that uh, – wasn't going to cut it. Uh, a couple injuries kind of held me back, and that's kind of when I found like the real sports medicine world. Uh, started looking into it a little bit further, found out what I had in my head. I wanted to be a therapist. Because um, I'm playing sport growing up, being out on TV all the time, and I always talk about oh, running out onto the field, that kind of thing. And what I learned in here in Canada, that main role actually falls with athletic therapy. And so that's kind of where it got the ball moving at that. And kind of going to school, going off, learning about the body, how it worked, just kind of started that quest for knowledge and kind of hasn't really stopped. Very cool. So when you were younger, um, like we, we've all dreamt in, uh, in Canada, I'm sure, was it hockey? Like, were you, were you into hockey at the time or, or was it another sport that you were, uh, focused in on? Yeah, it was, it was mainly soccer, soccer and volleyball were my two growing up. But I mean, hockey obviously has its, its obstacles similar to golf, right? In terms of getting into it at a young age and soccer was one of those sports that was easily accessible and, I kind of excelled at it and it was learning kind of that high performance level. I played it at a provincial level and kind of getting in that environment is what kind of drove me to pursue a career in the professional sports as well, just to be more around that team environment. For sure. Now I know, uh, my dad was like, he actually played professional soccer. Uh, he was from Scotland, but I did not get uh, that genetic at all. <laughs> that, that, that gene was not passed on to me at all. So I, I can like kick a golf ball or a soccer ball, whatnot. Like I, I can play, I played as a kid. Um, but yeah, I'm not, uh, not so good. My wife is, um, an incredible soccer player, actually. Like I, I remember her, I, like, I know she played competitive soccer growing up and I, I, um, went to like one of her games, the first game I ever went to and she plays defense and she kicked like the ball from the 18 yard box, like all the way down to the other goalie. And I, I was just kind of like amazed. Right. So, um, yeah, quickly, uh, conceded that sport to her. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Um, soccer is definitely, uh, definitely a pretty intense sport. And you, I guess you've worked with Toronto FC a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually, uh, I currently work for Toronto FC. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting that way and seeing how all the the soccer world works from the inside so 
Now, one of the things that um, I've noticed with a couple of the people who joined me on the podcast, uh, like last week when we had uh, like we had a golf rapper on who was a uh, college level basketball player down in the states. And he kind of realized the same thing. Like he wasn't going to go pro. Um, he still coaches like that's how he uh, makes his living. But um, he said the same thing and kind of draw like took whatever he could from his athletic abilities and put that into golf. So do you notice any comparisons in the sports that you're, you know, comfortable with and, you know, bringing that over to the golf, uh, to your golf game? I think for sure. I think coming from the sport background, being an athlete and understanding your body and the positions is going to translate to most sports. Um, there's not a sport out there really. I'm sure someone of your listeners is going to point out one, but that doesn't involve rotation. But whether it's kicking a soccer ball, it's still thoracic rotation and buzzwords and golf, right? Like a lot of that comes into effect and being able to open and close the hips in an effective manner. It's just the same way you set up for a swing in golf. It's a lot of that can be transferred from one sport to another pretty seamlessly. Obviously the fine tuning of the mechanics of golf are completely different than other sports. So and there's a slight crossover, but it's a bit of a stretch to say it's a perfect copy. Yeah. But you know, you, like I, I'd kind of mentioned how when you're like kicking a soccer ball or whatever, you, you learn to rotate. Like you said, like as you kick the ball, you kind of rotate left or right or depending on what it is. So you can, I don't know, use some of those same muscles. Right. Um, now we were talking a few minutes ago about kind of style of play and, and how, the golf game like right now is completely dominated by speed and length and um, at least like the male game anyway. So what are your thoughts on that? Like what is, what is your style of play? And I guess, yeah, just what are your thoughts on uh, the current, the current game of golf? For sure. And I think that's definitely where a lot of the past athletic experience can transfer over like your previous question, where the training methodology remains the same. You want to be stronger. You want to be faster. You want to have more power, it's got to come from a strong base. So whether that's all of the same core muscles, right? As you're talking about your your true core muscles, as well as like your glutes and your hamstrings and your obliques, right? That all makes up that same swing plane. The problem that I'm having right now with the game of golf, beyond my own personal game, because that's all kinds of problems. <laughs> uh, Me too. It's the search for speed and power is basically based off of Instagram and people are seeing all these kinds of exercises with like speed sticks and all that. That's great. I love that idea. It's used in track and field for years to go fast. You need to be experiencing your body moving fast. That's a very well known theory and it's proven time and time again in different sports. The problem is you're getting your recreational golfers who spend eight to 10 hours sitting down in front of a desk, whether that's driving to and from the office place, maybe not right now, but their typical pattern is they're sanitary for most of their time. And then they're going to pick up these one pound clubs and swing them as hard as they possibly can. It's great to swing something as hard as you can, but can you stop it afterwards? 
And I think that's where a lot of the speed and power training fails people is very few programs actually talk about the deceleration. And when we're talking to golf swing, everyone assumes speed with distance and club head speeds way beyond just distance off the tee. Think of your short game. You want to get out of the rough. Club head speed's going to make more of a difference than anything else. If you're in a bunker, same idea. But the main difference between that and the driver is the sharp deceleration afterwards. Think of like a flop shot. You're not going through the same full follow through. You're twisting your body as fast as possible and then abruptly stopping your hips so that the rest of your body swings through. But without proper training outside of the golf world, how are you adapting your body to handle those speeds and handle that abrupt deceleration is what leads to the common injuries in golf, like disc and back issues, hip issues, right? And you get these people, I've seen multiple people with sublux ribs from golf. It's one of those things where the force, again, I'm probably going to get way too sciencey here for you, but force can't just disappear. Force has to go somewhere. So if you're not absorbing that force properly, it's going to find a place to manifest in pain. Can you explain uh, what the sublux uh, ribs is? Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, no, that's okay. That's okay. I definitely, um, I definitely find it interesting because I was like I was telling you just uh, before we hopped on here. Um, like I'm completely sedentary for the most part. I've got an office job that involves a lot of driving as well, so I'm typically seated for you know six, seven, eight hours a day, and then I play golf every single day that I possibly can in the summer or spring and summer. So, um, you know, you know, like I don't always prepare my body the way I should, and I'm paying for it right now. Um, like I'm definitely going through some therapy. That's why it was just a great time to, uh, to connect with you. So, you know, the more, if I'm going through it, I'm sure somebody else is right. So that's what we're here. And, uh, we know that, you know, the biggest thing in the golf world is, uh, the Tiger Woods, uh, accident. So he's going to be dealing with it himself, but, uh, we can get into that a little bit later, but yeah, feel free. Um, if you've got a good understanding of the body, feel free to share it. Definitely. For sure. And speaking with a few golf pros recently too, it's definitely something that they're, they're saying a lot of their students are experiencing. They're just, they don't know what it is. Right. And it's, so some of the common symptoms is you're getting like that sharp pain in your side or kind of in your low back, low in your shoulder. And it, it feels a little bit more central to your back and it's through the violent rotation that is the golf swing. So, and it's not, we're talking about the golf swing and amateurs. We're not talking about the, the perfect golf swing. We're talking about the people who hit it slightly fat and take a little bit too much of the ground on their shots. And that is where you're getting the problem. So, Essentially, the anatomy is made up where the rib is kind of just not just sitting there, but it, it attaches in very small amounts to your your main spine bones, essentially. And it's very easy for that force to have an impact on that joint. No different than if, say, like a new typical hockey players, you always see it with the separated shoulder. It's that same kind of idea where the collarbone just sits on top of the shoulder and it's held down by ligaments. Your ribs are kind of held in the same way in the back. So that quick violent stop when you hit a fat shot with an iron, for example, can cause some pretty interesting issues being transferred into the body. Yeah, for sure. I, I played hockey growing up too, so I unfortunately have uh, 
that dislocated shoulder uh, issue. I've I've probably dislocated my my left one like honestly eight or nine times. So it's it's uh it's something that you know we all deal with in sports. And and um, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you is you know we're in the off season right now. There's snow on the ground. Um, we're both kind of in the GTA. So what what kind of things would you recommend? Um, like we're not, like you said, we're not talking pro golfers. Not many pro golfers are listening to this podcast right now. So for anybody who is, what would be, you know, some good off season maintenance, like some stretching exercises, uh, like things that we can be doing at home just to keep our bodies ready for the golf season. Um, that was kind of, you kind of covered like a bit of my next, uh, question is like, as we're leading up to the next, uh, up to the golf season, like some of the things that we could be doing. So, you know, with moving, getting up and moving each day, kind of moving our body. Now you, we talk about how violent the golf swing is. So no matter what you tell me as you know, you're an athletic therapist, um, you're an athlete, like you're a professional and no matter what you tell me, I'm still going to go out to the golf course and probably swing too hard or, you know what I mean? And I, I've played golf my whole life and I still have injuries because of it. I'm sure there's going to be some other people I do as well. But what are some of the things that maybe or some ideas that you could maybe lend um, to just the average player to kind of prep for the golf season? Um, aside from just like moving, like is there is there anything that you can recommend that might be a little bit different? Like we have the gyms closed right now and whatnot. We're still um, kind of in a soft lockdown here. Um, so we can't kind of go and work those muscles that the golf or that the golf swing, you know, needs us to. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, do you have any recommendations just for people prepper, like prepping for the upcoming season to avoid injury? For sure. And don't get me wrong. I'll be out there swinging for the fences. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where 
I think the biggest one people at home should be focusing on, again, no equipment needed, is strengthening your core, right? Everything comes through, right? It's, it connects the upper body to the lower body. And if you've ever worked with a golf pro, you'll hear it all the time, right? Most people don't use their lower body enough, and that's because they, can't, they don't have that strong enough connection. Right, so establishing the core strength, whether it's through like common exercises people can do that are greater, like planks, right? Get your side planks in, really work your obliques, like weighted Russian twists. It doesn't even have to be with like a weight. You don't need a dumbbell, a medicine ball, a kettlebell, right? Um, Recently, doing a lot of stuff at home where it's like you're using soup cans or you're taking grocery bag, you're full produce, and you're using a weight. Like you have things around your house that can give you the resistance you're looking for. Very cool. Some of the other exercises that can be on the to you the most are like your very basics, right? Anytime I'm going to recommend someone to do an exercise, a healthy individual to do an exercise is needs to have some form of a squat, right? All kinds of different forms of squats out there. They're a dime a dozen. Some kind of lunge, so some kind of split stance exercise because balance is key. And, uh, and being able to control your body in single leg movement is an underrated skill that would directly translate to the golf game. We talk about shifting our weight all the time. Are you comfortable fully loading one side of your body? If not, how are you going to get better? The only way to get better at doing something is by doing. So I look for a squat, I look for a split stance exercise, a hinge exercise some people might not be familiar with. Those are like your deadlift exercises, your good things, mornings, because it looks like you're bowing, good morning. Those are the kind of exercises where you're going to work what's called your posterior chain. So it's everything on the back side of your body, your, your back, back muscles, your erector spinae, your glutes, your hamstrings, all of those, those are all essential muscles for golf. And unfortunately, I feel like most people neglect those kind of things and they just associate that with like the bodybuilders in the gym or the CrossFit athletes. And there's a reason why you look at some of these CrossFit athletes who play golf and they hit absolute bombs off the team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I'm looking, uh, you, you said good mornings and I'm looking across at my bookshelf here and I can see the encyclopedia of modern day bodybuilding, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia. So I used to, I used to be into like weight training when I was younger. So I know that that was, uh, he was really big on core, which is why he was able to kind of keep his core like so narrow and so strong. Right. So, um, like I, I definitely, I think we all kind of have that same thought of like the rotation because like, like we said, we, we sit at our desk or whatever we do throughout the day. And then we just want to go to the golf course, like have a beer and swing the golf club, like really hard and try and hit it far as far as we possibly can. Right. So, um, yeah, I think having that preparation right now is kind of what I'm going through to make sure I don't, uh, have any more of these, you know, hip and back issues that I'm currently having into the upcoming season or kind of dragging on. Cause as we're realizing right now, the, the season's pretty short, um, what are some of the most common uh, injuries that you would see? Like, I know you kind of mentioned like the lower back and the, and the hip, but is there anything like specific that you see people come in like myself? And uh, I say, you know, Spencer, like I'm a, I'm a golfer. I like to golf. I play four or five, six times a week and I have this injury. Do you see like a pattern that people um, typically have, or some of your clients have that you could, you know, kind of point out that maybe we can all kind of work on to, to avoid that? 
For sure. And I think you would fit right in with everyone else. It's uh, a lot of it comes in with low back and hip and anyone who thinks those two body parts are not one and the same is uh, I'd love to have a conversation. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, right? Because you can't just look at the body as just one thing, right? You can't just say, oh, I have knee pain. Oh, I have hip pain. Because we're always under the influence of gravity. Every time we take a step, we're then putting force into the ground, which then comes back up through our limb and has to be transferred everywhere. And we're going with force, crazy, all that. But it's pretty simple. Most we have low back pain and hip pain elbow and wrist and then those are the I see with people that come in from the golf world and it's nine times out of ten related to their swing so it's it's one of the first things to have them do is just like okay set up what does your back swing look like what does your fall through look like I work on what I can but then I send them I have a couple pro contacts that I know and find out if they're a member of the club okay go speak to your pro this is what we need to work on with me you need to go work on golf specific things to prevent these injuries, right? It's you need, instead of going out and buying that fun new $500 driver to hit further, why don't you go spend 70 bucks on the left and, yeah. and figure it out from them. It's, it's one of those things that it's, it's the golf mentality, right? Like everyone's like, Oh, of course, just go out, have a few beers and hit the ball far. But it's the little things that allow you to keep doing that every weekend, which, I think they're all underappreciated at times. Yeah. Like I, I definitely try and dive into, um, like, I don't know. I, I have a better understanding than maybe most of, about the body, um, or the typical golfer because I've, you know, done some weight training and some personal training in my life and, and, um, like in my kind of pre golf life or, uh, when I was a bit younger anyway. So like, I understand kind of the opening of the hips and, and kind of like, for me, where I'm really struggling is when I enter the slot, like, so meaning on my downswing, when I come through and I'm trying to clear my hips. So like, that's a very common golf term is clearing your hips and, and getting through the slot where I'm at times I'm under rotating. And then, so it's just becoming a big twist and a mess in my spine. And I think that's uh, where a lot of people might have that same issue. Or like you say, the exact same thing is going to happen. Uh, I don't typically chunk the ball that often, like I'm a decent golfer, but the same type of thing would happen if you do kind of take a chunk of the grass and it would stop you up pretty quickly, or you wouldn't be sort of clearing your hips and, and coming through the actual shot. That's why like when we're watching pros, like guys like Justin Thomas and stuff like that, or Rory and their swing is so clean is because they're able to do that at such a high level or Dustin Johnson is like an unbelievable example of that. Right. So his, the power you can generate and the flexibility that he has is crazy. And it's one of the things that kind of goes unnoticed in golf is how much work these guys actually put in to be able to do that. And then let's not forget they golf 72 holes every week. Plus, um, like in a tournament or, well, hopefully some of them make the cut, right? Those three guys I meant, those three guys I mentioned will make the cut, but you know, then they're also playing practice rounds, they're training, they're spending time on the putting green, you know, in the bunker They're It's just kind of like, there's so much that goes into the swing that I think we, we watch these guys like we do any other athletes. And we think we can, like, we see maybe some of the yardages, some of the shots that they hit or don't hit. And then we think maybe we can relate, right? If we go by the same equipment, kind of like you're saying, which uh, I think there's a big disconnect. Like if I watch, you know, if I'm watching hockey, like I 
I was a goalie growing up and I don't think I can do like what Marc-Andre Fleury does. Like, I don't have that. Like I understand the training that went into that. Whereas in golf, I I think, uh, the average golfer hasn't, has a thought that, okay, I, I think I can shoot this score or whatever. And I think I can, you know, play up to the level that maybe some of these guys are playing at, maybe not the guys that I've mentioned there, but you know, some pro golfers and whatnot, but it's such a, there's so much variance in golf and, I think that's just kind of where some of the actual hard work gets lost, right? You can go to the driving range. Some guys can go hit it, you know, 300 plus yards, but that doesn't always relate to the game, um, like at that high, high level. Right. So I think that's just something that, um, is kind of lost and, and, you know, for us, like, we're just like, and during our chat here, I'm just kind of looking for like, as I get up from my chair at my desk, I'm headed to the course, like, or if you're kind of, you know, working like you've been working all day and I'm sure you're leaning over a lot of clients and stuff like that. So if you're grabbing your clubs, going to the course, what would Spencer do on the way? What would he do when he gets out of the car um, just to kind of prep for that first tee? So, you know, we don't shank it. You know what I mean? So For sure. It's, uh, it's actually funny. I've, I've gotten quite a few looks on the range. Um because I'm the guy who's out there, you know, you get the typical people, they put the club over their shoulder. And yeah. Then they do their little rotation and all that. <laughs> they do like two or three twists and swing at it. I'm out there, I'm doing, I'm holding the club above my head, I'm doing overhead squats, I'm getting into lunges, I'm getting into the hinges, I'm getting into the good mornings. I think the biggest thing is getting all those muscles woken up activating those muscles so you're ready to go if you think about the demands of the golf swing the amount of torque you're putting through your body the amount of power you're trying to generate you're not going to get that from just walking up to the tee and swinging for it there's a reason why your first shot of the day isn't usually as far as your if they're not right now it starts well plus or minus a few beers you start hitting the ball a little bit further right and that's because you're finally starting to get your body warmed up by that point. And it's a totally different conversation whether you're walking the course or riding in a cart, right? If, if you're, especially on these first few rounds of the year when it's a little bit colder, just like it is in the fall when it's the last few rounds of the year, if you have that chance to walk, do it, your body will thank you because you're constantly staying warm where when it comes time to the course, like it might look silly. Some of your friends might laugh at you, but then you can laugh back when your ball is 20 yards further than, than theirs. Right. And I've even recommended some of my clients that you take like a strip of fair band. So like the light resistance bands and you do a little bit of core activation on the driving range. It doesn't have to be curved. Simply tie it to bigger. If you have the cart, tie it to the cart, do a little bit of a rotation press, those kind of exercises just to get your body tuned up and ready to go. And then go through your typical golf warm-up, right? If you have the time, you're out on the range, hit a few wedges, hit a few, go through your bag, start loosening up into those full shots eventually. But in reality, most of the regular golfers are showing up to their tee time about two minutes before teeing off. Yeah, of course. So when do you, when do you fit all this in? And that's where the... If you want to start taking your game seriously and start really focusing on being able to continue golfing your whole life and going through each round and not being sore the next day, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you can't fit it in right before, 
what have you been doing outside of the range, outside of the course, to allow your body to be in that ready state? Yeah. Check out my car for the scope. Nope. See that I'm fresh through the low. Nope. Go ahead and count out the birdies so far. It's three in a row. 224 to the hole, no hybrid behind, I pull as a foe. They say that you drive for the show. Uh. They say that you puff for the dope. Remember, I used to shoot hunters. Garmin approach on my wrist, say a hundred. Like I was just thinking back to your point about hitting it 20 yards further than your friends. So I, I got a couple of close friends who listen to this podcast. So see you guys, that's, that's exactly why is because I prepare ahead of time. No. <laughs> um, so it definitely does make sense. Like it's, it's something that we lack. And like you talk about kind of that throwing it over your shoulder with the rotation and whatnot, that's kind of what you see. And I know like I'm trying to stretch out my back and whatnot. So I walk, um, are you a walker on the course, Spencer? I like to I like to mix it up. It depends who I'm with. Like a couple of my buddies, they'll they will not walk. Yeah. The, the course I'm a member at, one of the nines, is not very walker friendly. Okay. So it's it's kind of like depending on what the tee sheet is for the day. If we're if we're on just two of so there's three nines in the course that I'm a member at, and two of the nines I'll walk them no problem. The one nine when you throw it in there, there's quite an extensive walk and. I'm usually trying to fit the round in between seeing clients. So it's like, okay, I don't want to be out here for more than four hours. So let's, uh, let's, let's get going. So I'll jump in the cart, but when it's a beautiful day, I don't know how you can not walk. Do you, uh, do you carry, do you use backpack or do you push cart? I carry. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And that, that plays a factor too, right? Like those who are able to, and I, I fully understand not everyone's able to, so if you're able to carry, I recommend you carry. Because yeah. Again, you're now activating those muscles a little bit further, right? We're talking like minimal weights here, right? The average golf bag, well, depending on how many beverages you have in it, weighs <laughs> about 20 pounds, give or take. This, this is a great, this is a great opportunity. Sorry to cut you off, but, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the owner, Jeff Tate, of uh, triple bogey has kindly, uh, sponsored the podcast. So if you are, uh, like Spencer and I carrying a couple, or at least for me, carrying a couple beers in your bag, definitely, uh, pick up any, any triple bogeys at your LCBO, but <laughs> continue on. Thanks Spencer. It's, a good beer. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, right? Like, yeah. You- if you have that ability to walk, it's one, you're going to get so many more benefits. And also, I think that's a good way how people first really start falling in love with the game of golf is so you get the bonus of a nature hike in the middle of a sport. I don't know too many sports where that's in there. And just some of the courses, especially like this past fall when I was out there so often, it was just like the scenery and all of that. Is just, you don't want to leave. Yeah, the course that I play at is it's really nice. Like we've got a couple nice uh, water holes, and and um, like I was golfing quite a bit with my sister, so um, my wife golfed uh, with us quite a bit too. So we would always try and walk. Like we were playing nine. Um, it's a nice little course out here. I've mentioned a couple times Stonehenge. So um, it's it's not too there's not too much hill or uh, not too many hills or anything. So it's really great to uh, just throw the bag on. And I've got like a really nice and light uh titleist like players four bag i think it's only like two and a half pounds um i'm notorious for carrying like three golf balls in my bag like i i am uh kind of risky when it comes to that so it was always this thing that i when i was younger i would go play like matches in high school and whatnot and i would bring three golf balls and 
I would try not to lose golf balls. Like it was just kind of one of those things. Like if you, if you lost one, it kind of made you, I guess, manage the course a little bit better. So now we'll carry a few more cause I want to hit some like extra shots and stuff, but I try not to weigh the, the bag down too much like that. And the clubs now are so light. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I've always, I've always carried, I, I got a push guard at the end of the year that I was kind of pushing around a little bit when I'd go play like some of the longer 18s, but for the most part, I, uh, I enjoy the walk for sure. Now, um, when we finish up that round and one of the things we do, like I just hop in my truck and pretty much drive home or stop and get some wings or whatever it might be, right. Stop for another beer or, or you know, just kind of pick up something on the way home or whatever it is. I don't typically like take any time to kind of decompress from that golf round. Right. So, you know, the, the golf swing is violent and we're, we're hopefully, you know, taking under a hundred swings or whatever it might be, but it's still, it's still a lot. Um, so what are some quick things? I know people aren't going to take too much time, but what are some quick things that we can do on the way to the parking lot to get in the car that we can kind of, you know, just just set like set ourselves up better for the next round the big ones here is i know a lot of people like the travel the courses right sometimes that ride back is a lengthy one especially in here being in the gta you're about like where i live here i'm about an hour away from a lot of places so it's it's one of those times you're gonna get in the car you're gonna get in the car for a little bit and I think a big thing, the number one, despite how many of the delicious triple bogeys you might have had on the course, it's uh, it's really important to hydrate with water. And if it's a really hot day, even like a Gatorade or some kind of electrolyte beverage, and because your muscles need that, right? You, you need to, to rehydrate after a round of golf, and that's going to help you feel a lot better both quickly and sometimes between the ears and the next morning, right? So Of course. It's... Uh, it's, that's probably my biggest advice is just to hydrate, get as much water in afterwards, no matter if that's golf or that's a workout, post-gym, whatever it is, getting in as much water as possible. Not all at once, right? Don't want to just yeah. shotgun the water, but it's uh, it's one of those things like it's so simple that you can do and it's going to make a huge difference. The other one's just some like light back stretches, right? Before you get in the car. You can grab onto the steering wheel, hinge your hips, right? And just lengthen your back. Take a couple deep breaths to really feel into the stretch through the sides. And that's one I love to do post round. You can do it right off the side of the cart or you can do it on like your right. You're loading it up and it's simple, it's easy, and it's effective. Yeah, I like that. I know like right now a big one for me when I'm kind of sitting uh, like at my desk is just um, leaving like one of your legs at a 90 degree angle, bringing the other one over top of it, like your ankle and just kind of like leaning forward, getting a good back stretch. So I try to remember that, like as soon as I get in my truck or something, but it's, it's like you said, where most people don't live on a golf course or with a golf course very close to them. So we, you know, we drive for a little while afterwards and then you kind of like, I know for me, I open up the door to my truck and I go to like hop down and I just like, you sort of stiffen up. Right. So, um, definitely something to, to try and avoid, but you mentioned that, uh, you, you have a membership or you're a member or, or play a club regularly. Which one's that? Yeah. It's a uh, mill run in, in Oxford. Oh. It's like 15 okay. minutes from where I live now. So it's, it's a great course. The guys there are great. Yeah. I know mill run. I've, uh, 
played a couple. Some of our high school events were there. I think I played like a match play and uh, they had some of the events there. Really, uh, really nice course. I didn't get out there at all this year, um, unfortunately, but uh, but I liked it. That's uh, that's cool. Really, really nice course. It's probably been, geez, it's probably been uh, 15 years since I played there, though. I should definitely, uh, definitely get back there. Maybe we can catch up for a round this year. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are, uh, did you get to play many other courses this year? I do. My parents, they live in the Kingston area, so when I was able to, I went and visited them. We'll play a couple courses there. Um, some of the more notable ones is like uh, it's Loyalist Golf Club out in Bath. Yep, uh, it's a pretty, pretty well known one. I'm still trying to talk my uncle in, so if he's listening to. Uh, He's a member at Cataraque in Kingston, so I'd, I'd love to go play that course if he's listening to this. But uh, the, other than that, there's a few other ones that are just kind of smaller around. I played Pheasant Run up uh, up here as well, uh, Cardinal, Redcrest, all the ones in like the northern UTA. Got a few few more on my list for that season. Yeah, there's. Um, I didn't get out to Toronto as much, so I'm I'm a bit east of uh, where you are, but. Um, like if you're coming down like to the 401, if you want to pick me up, like there's a great course in Belleville, uh, called black bear. Um, I've talked about it a couple of times. So it's like a, I think it's like a top 30 course in Canada. Um, so we'll, we'll check that one out and then we'll go play your uncle's course and then, yeah, we'll make a, we'll make a day out of it. It'll be pretty good. That's uh that's cool. I definitely, um, I would like to get to like, I know, one of my um, good friends, uh, his name's uh, Chef Mike. So I know he listens to the pod now and then uh, has a great restaurant here in Bowmanville. So he got out to some of the TPC courses this year and said that they were uh, they were must uh, must attend courses. So I definitely want to uh, to get out there if I can and and um, yeah, just uh, experience more of the Ontario golf. We're lucky to to have what we have in this area. Um, but yeah, the, the main topic in the golf world right now, um, as you know, and I'm sure this has been kind of a, you know, a hot topic for a lot of your clients as well as Tiger Woods. So we know, um, this time last week or, or so he was, uh, involved in a, in a car accident. So, um, we all kind of know the story. He's got, a you know, a couple fractures. Um, it looked like he had, um, you would know the terms better, but like a rod put in his tibia. So I know that, I heard that same injury with like Steven Stamkos and that was pretty, pretty terrible. Luckily he's been able to come back from that. Um, and then, uh, just like multiple fractures. And then, um, I guess the, the talus bone, again, you would be able to speak more to that is kind of where the, the lower leg meets the foot. Right. So I guess there was a lot of damage there. So what are your thoughts? Like in your professional experience, what do you think about, uh, Tiger's road to recovery? You know, if it wasn't Tiger Woods, I'd be very skeptical if he ever played golf again. But we're talking about the same guy who won a, won a major with a broken leg. So it's uh, if anyone can come back from that, it's going to be him. Uh, some of the, the stuff, I, I was surprised at the details they released as well and some of, of what exactly procedures he had done. And he's now had a few more since. And I think some of the ones that go a little bit under the radar too, is they talked about how they had to um, cut into some of his soft tissue, mu- like which is the muscle surrounding the leg, to release the swelling. That's a procedure called a fasciotomy. If you're weak to the stomach, I do not recommend you googling fasciotomy and seeing pictures. Um, 
But that process of itself is a lengthy recovery. So forget the broken legs, that kind of stuff. The fact that they essentially cut open all of the muscles in his lower leg to release swelling. Then they let that kind of hang out for a little bit of time and then they sew it back up. So his leg is going to be in a horrible state right now. And again, I think some of the tour players put it best that we're just lucky that that's kids out there that still have their dad yeah. after that kind of accident. And golf really isn't going to be on his forefront. But again, he's Tiger Woods. So I think you will see him swinging the club again. I don't think it's going to be in 2021. I think 2022 is even a stretch for him to come back playing professionally. He might be out there at his local course in Jupiter, but he's probably not going to be teeing it up at the Masters in 2022. I hope I'm wrong. I know he, uh, someone of his status and his ability, he's going to have the best team around him possible. Uh, the resources he has at his disposal are unlike uh, anything that you and I would ever have. So I've seen it firsthand and I've worked in the pro sports world with some of the kind of treatments these guys will put themselves through to get back. So if he wants to get back, he will. It's just going to be one of those things where psychologically all of that's going to play a factor as well um i think i speak for the entire golf world when we say that we hope he comes back um and i think that's obviously something him and his family will decide that if if it's worth it right he's he thought he saw a long way to go after his back surgery than this yeah like uh, yeah like at what point is it is it uh is it worth it, right? But like we know, Tiger is probably the greatest, one of debatably the greatest athlete of our generation, um, and he's such a competitor, right? So selfishly, we would love to see him back on the course. Like I know some of the thoughts that have gone through my mind is like I loved, absolutely loved watching the PNC um, and watching him and and Charlie player you know, Charlie kind of carry him around the course. Right. So it'd be great to be able to see him even, um, you know, more recreationally play like the masters or something and potentially get to play while Charlie is or, or, uh, you know, just down the road. But we've seen like, when you talk about the fasciotomy, like I know that that was something that Alex Smith had done. Um, so if there's any football fans listening, like, you know, like he had a terrible, terrible recovery. Right. So, it's not um, like he finally played another NFL game this year, which is incredible, but it's, I think it was like four years or something, right? It's, it's, it's definitely something that could, uh, could take a long time to come back for him. So we're just, you know, we're lucky. Like he's an idol. Like he's one of my idols, right? Like him and Mike Weir are the reason why I play golf, right? So we're just, uh, we're very lucky. And, um, you know, so is the golf world and his family, of course, right? So. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think, too, like some of the things you mentioned, talking about like the tailless bowl and that kind of thing. For those that aren't too familiar with what we're talking about, the tailless and the tibia make up your ankle, essentially. So those are the kind of things like those I wouldn't stress. Yeah, he's going to have a few plates and rods. 
those are all very straightforward. It's the side complications of everything that's making that much more difficult. Plus the fact that I'm pretty sure both legs were affected. Yeah. So he's when he's first kind of regaining everything, he's in a wheelchair. Guys got to learn to walk before he can swing a club. So it's it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, I can see him being the guy that he is. I, I don't know if I'm sure he, being a good golf guy you are, you've watched the HBO documentary on him and kind of getting an understanding of how he's been wired from a young age. I think that desire to return to golf will be there. And I think if he wants it, he will. I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah. Like I, like I'd mentioned, we haven't seen that kind of, you know, competitor, right? So like, I know, like I'm a huge Tiger fan, of course, as we most are, or as most of us are. And like, just knowing some of the stats, like he's won 20% or just over 20% of the events he's played in, you know, that's a crazy stat to think about throughout the length of his career that, you know, one in every five tournaments he's winning, right? So there's a long stretch of time where people like Phil Mickelson said, we were all just kind of playing for second place, right? So um, now it's more or less just, uh, you know, get him healthy and and um, hopefully kind of write another chapter in that whole uh, Tiger Woods saga. So um, I won't uh, I won't keep you too long, uh, Spencer. I really appreciate you, you kind of coming on and giving us a really good understanding here of the, uh, the body and kind of how it relates to golf and, and – um, you know, like I, like I said, that might be more my opinion, but I think it's kind of one of those sports where we don't, um, exercise as much based on the sport that we are playing. Right. So if we're, you know, playing hockey or basketball and whatnot, like we might work on like our running and, you know, kind of working on weight training and stuff like that. But a lot of people are just kind of going to the golf course, swinging a club, and then we get injured. Right. So, um, when that happens, <laughs> how can we get a hold of you and, uh, whereabouts is your practice and, um, and yeah, give us all those uh, those contact details. For sure. Uh, right now, I'm I'm based out of uh, Mount Albert in uh, East Quillenbury. I'm gonna have a location opening shortly in Newmarket as well. Um, I am the business. I I work for myself, which is kind of nice. And uh, it's easiest way to find out what I'm doing, what I'm up to is uh, social media. So that's uh, at the athlete underscore AT on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can just search my name. It'll come up. I think uh, we've got some, some exciting new things coming in the not too distant future as well. Um, one of the big things we kind of hit on a little bit. That's why I was a little misleading given I was uh, I have a, a golf-specific ebook coming out not too long from now about that's going to include both a, a free version as well as a, a paid-for version. And the free version is going to really break down that, that golf-specific warm-up pre, pre-round and post-round activations and kind of what we were talking about a little bit. I just wish I had it ready by now and I would have plugged it a little bit more. But uh, No, that's okay. That's all right. Um, that is very cool. Do you have an idea when uh, when you might be releasing that? So my goal was originally to have it done by the end of March, um, which I'm still not ruling out, but uh, it looks like it's going to be probably by the time the Masters rolls around, might be the perfect time, the official kickoff of, well, the official unofficial kickoff of the Northern Gulf season. So um, that's my goal right now is to have it ready by then. And a few other things should be kind of falling into place by then as well. So it's uh, exciting times over here at least. 
Yeah, that's a. I will definitely. Um, I'll link your Instagram, uh, your profile in the in the description of the episode here. So anybody that's looking to get uh, in contact with you can can do so. Um, and then I post uh, some of these clips up on YouTube. So just under uh, Spencer's camera here, if you're looking at it, has his Instagram handle. Um, and then kind of scrolling through the photos, um, your contact card is on there as well. So if anybody's looking to get a hold of you, that's a really really good way to. Um, now, when we release this, it'll be this uh, this Friday. So whenever anybody's listening to this, it'll be Friday or you know maybe Saturday or the uh, the Bay Hill. So I know, um, like I was saying, our sponsor uh, Triple Bogey, um, the the owner of it, has a personal friendship um, with the late Arnold Palmer. So do you have any predictions for this weekend? I usually kind of uh, post up something on Wednesdays or early Thursday with a with a prediction. Any thoughts on this weekend? He's been scratching up the door for a while. Took a couple, took a week off there recently, and I think I think we might see the resurgence of Jordan Spieth. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Spieth. It's been so much fun to watch him play. Uh, he did take. Uh, yeah, I don't think he played the Genesis, right? I think he was off. I think that's what he like a little bit of rest and yeah. coming back. And but there's a few other guys that have a point to prove after playing the way they did last weekend. So yeah, but you know, I think it's just the bias in me. I just want to see like. No one can get a crowd up like Tiger, but if there's a second, it might be Jordan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, so just like, just seeing him in contention on Sundays, it's eventually, it's going to click. Like, you can only, a guy like him, he can only be in contention so many times before he's winning it. So, and this, this might be the day. Yeah. Like, last weekend, I, like, I, I took a, a total scapegoat, I guess, uh, for lack of better words. And I took Dustin Johnson and it kind of, it bit me last week. Uh, he had kind of one of his off weeks. I think on Sunday he shot like a, or on Saturday, I think he shot a 77 or a 78. So yeah, he, was, he was close to back, but I, then again, the last time he came almost to an 80 is, uh, we went on a bit of a tear there at the end of last year. So. Yeah. Last season he had back to back eighties and then he just went nuts. Right. So, yeah. So, um, that's kind of why he's a professional and why we're uh, the guys who need to be doing all these uh, athletic movements and stretches to keep our game tight. But uh, I like that Jordan Spieth. Okay. I like that. Um, I know I was, I love Victor Hovland, man. Like, did you see his, um, I think he was on 17. He was right up against the, uh, like right up against the out of bounds. Um, like, I don't know what you'd call it, but uh, like the brush. And he, he kind of hit like, I think he hit like a four iron and just punched it out to about five feet and then, uh, and then made the putt. Like it's, it was like Phil Mickelson-esque type of uh, escape artist. So I, I'm a big fan of Victor Hovland. Like, I don't know if you can tell I'm just a big fan of golf in general. So it's hard for me. Yeah. Like I, I kind of go through and I, I, uh, you know, I look through like the Canadians that are in the lineup. So I was actually uh, just a couple of days ago chatting with um, his name is Michael Glickick. So he's a Canadian golfer. Um, he's hoping to play Bay Hill this weekend. So um, hopefully he does well and gets into the weekend. Um, I know Nick Taylor's been really good. My name's Max, so I'm a big Mac Hughes fan. Uh, so it's it's easy for me to like these golfers, right? And Tony Finau is uh, one of my favorites. And the guys, he's breaking my heart, man. So. I uh I want to see him pull through, but I haven't I haven't picked my winner for this weekend. I got to kind of look a little bit at how the course is set up, and then I kind of have an idea of how current games are, how they're uh, how they're lining up. And and um, one thing I can say is I don't think uh, although he's been playing pretty good golf, I don't think Tyrell Hatton will 
will repeat. So I think we're going to see a new winner. Shocker, yeah. but. Uh, so, so you made you made me pick someone, and you're sitting on the fence. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll definitely have something posted up tomorrow. Um, I usually just do like a quick little little blurb and kind of post a pick. Um, I like Jordan Smith. I'm not going to pick him just because you did, though. I'll definitely uh, I'll, I'll find somebody else who I think uh, whose game will will line up well for Bay Hill. I'm uh, I'm curious now. I'm going to go do some research and I'll post something up and and I'll tag you in it so you can see. Uh, all right, so we're just chatting here, and Spencer has a pretty cool golf-related story, so let's hear it. Yeah, so when I was working with the Toronto Raptors, 2019 NBA Finals coincided at the same time as the Canadian Open. So lots of golfers in the crowd, and we're cleaning up post-game, and next thing you know, I'm escorting Rory McIlroy into the locker room to meet Kyle Lowry, who's a huge golf fan, and just kind of crazy opportunity, last place you'd expect to be uh, just kind of casually small talking with uh, one of the world's best golfers. That's amazing. I know like with the, with the Raptors being down in Orlando, I know at the start of the year, like there was a, well, just with quarantine, there was a huge influx in golf and uh, it kind of like took the NBA uh, in the bubble as well. Uh, It was kind of rampant, right? So that is very cool. Did you have any, like, did you chat with them much or were you kind of like nervous? Did you just kind of like walk him into the area or? It was one of those things where like I knew he clearly wasn't there to talk to me. He was there to talk to Kyle. So yeah, it was kind of just like, we shook hands. It was like, Oh, how are you? Like, nice to meet you. That kind of thing. And I I know my place in those kind of environments, but uh, it was still cool nonetheless. Thanks Spencer. Um, So anybody who's listening, Spencer Dungy, athletic therapist, um, Mount Albert opening up a new practice in Markham. Um, so thank you again for, or sorry, uh, new market. Sorry. All right. So Spencer, obviously right now we're doing this call, um, like a lot of business right now, um, virtually. So is that something that you, uh, at your clinic, um, that you would do with any of your clientele? Yeah. So right now actually I have, I have a few clients that, that are, are operating remote just because they don't live in the area. Uh, one lives in Ottawa and one actually lives out in BC. So, we do a lot of virtual strength training as well as uh, injury maintenance for their rehab once post-surgery. So definitely an option. We do it. It's not through Zoom. It's a little bit more secure than that. So, but uh, definitely gets it done. Gets it done. So it's it's definitely through like a video base though. You would uh, like set up a call with them so you can kind of run them through the exercise and you can monitor that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, through our own logging system. We do through virtual video. So you see me, I see you, and we kind of just like we would through Zoom and talk talk you through it, coach you through the movements, all of that, and really helps people own their own wellness as well, which is kind of nice. Thank you for uh, for kind of taking some time. We've been on for, you know, the better part of an hour here, so I appreciate you uh, giving us your evening. And, um, yeah, if anybody's looking to get a hold of them, uh, I will link his uh, information in the description. And if you're kind of dealing with any of the aches and pains, I think uh, this is the guy you're looking for and um, he'll help fix you up. And as usual, appreciate you uh, following OTS Golf on Instagram and listening to On The Screws podcast on any social media or streaming platforms, music platforms that uh, you can find any of your uh, your podcasts. Until next time.